This is the Mission Matters Podcast Show, where our goal is to engage, encourage, and equip Christians to live on mission daily. To learn more about the show, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash missionmatters.org or sign up for our newsletter online at missionmatters.org. And now, without further ado, let's listen in to today's conversation. I'm here with Charlie Sahari, and he's actually going to start a brand new ministry for 2015. So that this, what's pretty exciting about this is that this is something that's been on your heart for how long? Uh, it's been on missions in general and how I fit into God's plan has been on my mind uh, since I became a Christian, which is what we're going to talk about here. But this mission matters concept and idea, it's probably only been six months, maybe. The name of the ministry is Mission Matters, and... Uh, the reason we came up with that name is I went on a mission that changed my life. We went into the Amazon jungle. And when I got back, I was like, man, I could do that my whole life. But I got bills to pay and mortgage. So it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense for me to drop everything and uh, go be a missionary. And my wife probably appreciates me staying here. So I thought, well, is there something out there that doesn't cost too much money? doesn't take so much of my time that I can't be a good husband and a good dad. And uh, so just thinking about things, kind of came up with this idea of creating a website and talking to interesting people and sharing their story of what God's doing in their life while they're on mission and maybe encouraging people to figure out new ways to be on mission without, you know, moving to Kenya. I love that concept. It, it's So essentially, it's almost like a collection of conversations about what God's doing in people's lives. And that can be used as a platform to inspire people, to encourage them to start their own mission wherever they may be at. God has planted you here in the Murrieta area. Mm-hmm. Kind of share your story of how you got here uh, about your life. I'm sure you woke up and you were born a Christian, right? You just automatically were perfect and you walked on water. Is that kind uh, of the story? You were there? Yeah, I was wow. there. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, it's not true at all. So um, I actually grew up in a home that, it, that we would call ourselves Christian. Um but probably no one would know that we were great people. My dad is like black and white, moral dude, awesome guy. Um, mom's the same way. But church to us was probably Easter and Christmas, maybe. And we definitely weren't talking about it. My dad is like a natural born leader, six foot seven, 220 pounds, lifts weights twice a day like he walks into a room and you know immediately who the leader is he, he's just the alpha dog type mm-hmm. guy so um at a very young age i took a liking to baseball and it was pretty apparent that it, i was kind of naturally gifted to uh, throw a baseball pretty hard and because of my dad's leadership abilities and he had a, a unique he he actually broke his back um in 1984 and i was born in 79 so you do the math i was pretty young and uh, because of that, he had a disability that wouldn't allow him to go back to work. So I was in a unique position where I had both a mom and a dad at home full time. And uh, But the cool thing was, is my dad was still able to be a baseball coach. And those leadership skills were really useful in that arena. So from a very young age, I had a dad who was 100% in on me getting good. So... Baseball quickly became my God and probably our God. Um, Had some good coaching through high school, and the scouting just wasn't really running to Hemet. So I didn't have a whole lot of opportunities, and um, 
the whole college scene. My parents didn't go to college. We didn't really understand, you know, what it takes to get into a college that you actually kind of have to market yourself. Like, I didn't, I don't even think I applied. I was just clueless. Right. And uh, fortunately, my high school coach made a few phone calls for me, and I got a chance to go to Cal Baptist. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to Cal Baptist, I, I accepted that because I didn't have any other options. And uh, so I rolled into Cal Baptist and was thinking that I was a pretty good baseball player. And when I got there, I didn't think they were quite good enough for me. <laughs> and uh, so Pride before the uh, fall. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know about that either. <laughs> so I go there. I'm going to the chapel. I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm sitting in the back of the chapel, probably doing things that are absolutely opposed to God in the back of the chapel. And there was other guys on the team that were similar. But long story short, I was pretty convinced that that school was not good enough for me. And lo and behold, I get a phone call from a buddy of mine who was playing in Missouri at the University of Central Missouri, and they had just lost a pitcher, and they needed another pitcher. And I said, you know what? This place is not good enough for me, and I would really like an opportunity to go and see if I fit into that staff there. On a whim, I jump on a plane, fly to Missouri, throw a bullpen for University of Central Missouri, and the coach says, we'd like to have you. And I say, okay. And I call my parents, and they ship all my stuff out to Missouri, and I start going to school out there. So I completely just kind of, I can't even remember how that transition went. I'm sure it was wrong what I did. Hmm. And I kind of just left that team and showed up in Missouri. At this point, not only am I not checking in with God, I'm probably starting to question the existence of God. Um, I'm moving God into kind of like an adult Santa Claus category at this point in my life. So I go and I play baseball at the University of Central Missouri. And uh, I think I was there for like a year and a half. And nothing stellar. I didn't do anything great. Um, It was a great experience for me because the coach there was ex-military. And absolutely didn't care if life was fair or not. So I got to see what it was like to be pushed to extremes. And one of the greatest experiences of my life was to realize how much further we can go. We think our wall is at a certain point. It is so much past that point. It's amazing. And that's a freeing thing to know um, that the way that we've been wired, we can do amazing things. And our mind has a huge impact on what we think our potential is. So kind of got me to stretch past my comfort zone, got me uh, in just kind of the right state of mind to be successful, I think. So long story short, again, I I got a lot of crazy stories. God has really moved in my life even when I didn't know he was there. But um, I came back for a summer vacation, you know, so school is over for the summer break. And my dad shows me this article in the newspaper that was... uh, in Costa Mesa, there was a wood bat league. And he's like, you're not doing anything. You need to stay in shape. If I were you, I'd go out there. So I went out there, showed up, and, like, all the teams were already picked. And I was just this random dude, like, strolling up to the field. And I said, uh, you got any room on any of these teams? And they're like, uh, well, these teams were picked a long time ago, but I guess you can practice with us or something. So anyway, I went and I practiced with them. And I don't know what happened, but God decided I was going to start throwing ridiculously hard. So um, that summer I did amazing and I was throwing low to mid nineties and I was dominating. I've never played that good in my life probably. And one of the, the, the um, games that I was at after the game, one of the umpires came up to me 
and asked me where I played, and I told him I played at University of Central Missouri. And he said, why? And I said, what do you mean, why? He's like, you know all the best schools in the nation are right here in your backyard. I said, I'm from Hemet. <laughs> and he said, oh, I understand. And uh, anyway, he's like, do you mind if I make a couple phone calls, and when, when do you pitch next? So I told him when I pitched next, and I said, go ahead. So the next day, next time I pitched, um, I get up to the mound, and the, the whole stands are filled with scouts. From, wow. From every, I had scouts from Loyola Marymount, USC, UCLA, Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach State, uh, Pepperdine. No, no pressure. No, exactly. No pressure. Right. So, I mean, every <laughs> conceivable, and I, I played off like I was, yeah, obviously they would all be there. So, um, so anyway, I threw that game, and actually, I don't think that I had the greatest game in the world, but I was still throwing hard and good enough where you could tell they were very interested. And I decided I was going to go play for Loyola Marymount on a full-ride scholarship. So I believe that school was like $40,000 a year. And the reason I wanted to go there was because I was considering law school as well, and it's got a really good law program. So <clears throat> I decided that's the route I'm going to go. And then lo and behold, I get a letter in the mail from the NCAA saying, hey, you're not allowed to transfer from one NCAA school to another. You were suspended for a season. And oh, so, so when that letter goes over to uh, the coaches at Loyola, they say, hey, that's not good. And worse than that, you can't get that scholarship. So the wind's knocked out of my cells. We're not in a financial situation to just drop 40 Gs on a, and I don't even know what FAFSA means. So I like, it wasn't even conceivable. So kind of make a rash decision to take a cheap, good baseball school, which was Cal State Fullerton. So from there, the, the, the way that I got there was completely crazy. I don't think it's not a reproducible way to get into NCAA Division One baseball, but at the time, I didn't realize it, but God, it was definitely working. Worked through that year, have a great um, summer league. Uh, the next summer league season, I played for the Santa Barbara Foresters, which are right now the number one. You, you got the Alaska League, Cape Cod League, all those leagues. Santa Barbara, I believe, it's won it three years in a row. So wow. the, the best wood bat league out there. Um, and I have a phenomenal summer preparing me for my first year at Fullerton. So move into Fullerton, and to make it real simple, I never lived up to my expectations for baseball. And I think a lot of that had to do with me having this feeling that I was in complete control of my destiny, and that is a heavy, heavy burden. And I just wasn't equipped to handle that burden. But, you know, my name got into some cool publications, and I was on the radar of being the up-and-coming guy, and I was going to be, you know in the rotation of the best baseball team in the nation and all that type of stuff. So um, the potential of being, you know, my dr dreams, I didn't even dream these dreams, but the ability to play Major League Baseball and be a millionaire playing a game, I mean, that was a... Cons I wasn't too far away from that point. And at this point, I am now openly mocking Christians. So there was a handful of Christians that were on our baseball teams. We played, we played against Athletes in Action, and I actually pitched in that game. And I told the first batter that Jesus wasn't going to help him today. Um, I, so I, I don't know what that was, why I was going down Something that road. Your heart, huh? Yeah, I don't know why I was going down that road. Um, and then a really cool thing, well, I didn't know it was cool at the time, but a, a guy from Biola, which is an evangelical Christian university on the coast in California, um, transfers to Cal State Fullerton. So he and he's coming. So to, God's making some moves here on the chess. Yeah. Board. So he's mm -hmm. coming to. He's coming. 
he's coming to Cal State Florida. So, like, why weren't you already here? If you were good enough, why were you ever at Biola? So, I didn't quite get that. Like, normally, you didn't get a transfer from a four-year university coming to our university. And he was a shortstop. His name's uh, David Munoz. And something about this guy, like, more life in one person that I had ever seen. Like, this zeal. Um, um, doesn't do stupid things. Is Works harder than anyone at his craft. Is not He doesn't have all the best giftedness, but he works harder than anyone on the field. And... Uh, so one day we were at the gym, one early, early morning we were at the gym. So at the end of the workout, um, David says, hey guys, uh, Bible study at my house, like tomorrow night. Um, parents will be making all the food. Everyone's welcome. And I literally, he got laughed at. I mean, we were a bunch of guys who all thought we were going to be millionaire baseball players. Last thing we needed was God. Because you're your own God. Oh, absolutely. At this yeah. point, yeah. Like, we're, Cal State Fullerton only had a baseball team that was, like, there was no football team. Basketball team wasn't that great. So, we were it on campus, too. So, not only did we have the potential to be big league baseball players, but we had a lot of attention on campus, too. So, um, at that point, we didn't need that. So, I don't know what it was, but, um, I decided to go to this Bible study. Really? Yeah, wow. crazy. Okay. So I'm driving to this Bible study. I'm like, what am I doing? This is like awkward. And I'm, <laughs> That's I'm the not, Holy Spirit right and there. I'm not man. like a social person anyway, so it's not like I just want to go hang out and talk. Mm. So anyway, I pull up, pull into this house, beautiful house. I get out. He lives with his parents. So it's, it's at his parents' house and uh, in Yorba Linda. And I get out and I go knock on the door and I open it up and I think I was a little bit late and not one person was there. So I get in there and, and I look and David's mom, Jackie, nicest lady on the face of the earth, had made food like authentic Mexican. I love eating at their house. I'm looking forward to They have a tamale night every Christmas. It's like the highlight of my Christmas. <laughs> so this food set out for 30 guys. No one. I'm the only person that showed up that night. So you know when you have that weird, awkward feeling where you walk in and you like you're embarrassed for somebody, right? Yeah, I had that feeling. So I walk in immediately. I'm embarrassed for them. I don't know what I'm doing there, and I look at him, and he looks at me, smile, same stupid smile he's always got on his face. His parents are like happy that one person showed up. Like honestly, they they'll figure out a way to get rid of the food. It's not a big deal. And he says, so what do you want to do? Eat first or do the Bible study first? I was like, let's get the Bible out of the way. <laughs> so takes me up into this loft that they have at their house. And he hands me a Bible. And he's got his Bible. And he's like, what do you know about this book? And I was like, it's long. I've tried to read some of it. I get to like the 30th chapter, I think, of Genesis. And then I fall asleep. And I had no idea what it's about. He's like, that's cool. He's like, how about Jesus? What do you know about Jesus? I was like... Um, good guy, did a lot of cool stuff, uh, something on a cross. I don't quite get what that was about. And that's a good guy. He's like, okay. So he's like, so he takes me to John. It's funny when I ask him to this day, he doesn't even remember where he took me in the Bible, but it's like the biggest story for me. So he, he takes me to John and he has me read some of it. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And the word came and dwelt amongst us. He's like, so what's that talking about? I was like, I have no idea. And uh, he's like, so he takes me through scripture and he shows me that 
Jesus and the Word is the same thing. Right. So he proves that to me with the Bible, and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. He's like, so now reread it. So in the beginning of the in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and came and dwelt amongst us. He's like, so now what does it say? It's like, it's saying that Jesus was God. And everyone's got their own thing. But when that clicked in this brain of mine, Mm -hmm. I was like, I believed immediately. I don't know what it was. That's a holy staff. I don't know what it was. But I came upstairs one person who was openly mocking Christians at this point and was radically like, doesn't make sense, changed on the way down those stairs. I was like, (laughs) completely different person. So, story of Paul right there. <laughs> yeah, so like it doesn't even make sense. Like I tell people that story and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we knew that yeah. Christianity was claiming that Jesus was God. I was like, I didn't know that and I wish someone would have told me earlier. But And I bet someone did tell me earlier, but God needed me to know at that time. So immediately leaving there and the way that I'm wired, I like I want to climb ladders all the time. So that didn't go away from day one. So I decided... Like, I didn't even know who Greg Glory was, but if I would have, I would have wanted to be him when I walked out that door, right? So I'd become, like, the weird team evangelist, dude. And uh, So this is inst- almost instantaneous. Oh, instantaneously. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like when we went down, so the, the light bulb that went on allowed me to understand scripture. So, like, when we went downstairs, like, I was just going through the word, and I was, like, getting all of it. I was like, it like the now. world makes sense now. Right. Everything makes sense now. Like, I remember leaving and, like, calling my grandmother and explain, telling her that, no, seriously, Grandma, I understand the way the world works now. Like, it all makes sense. So this, this weird freedom came about, and I think it was, for the first time, I realized that I never had control. I'm not currently in control, and I won't have control. But there's a God that's for real that is in control. So now I don't have to worry about that stuff. There was a reason why God was preparing me at the time that he was preparing me. So shortly after that, and I'm starting to get fuzzy on the timetables now, but very shortly after that, um, I was pitching in a game against a Christian university. um, It was like a preseason game against a Christian, local Christian university. That was a starting pitcher at the the baseball field, and left field line um, is where the bullpen was at all the way down the left field line. So you would warm up there, and then you, right before the game starts, you'd make your walk towards the dugouts. So I warmed up, and I was making my walk, and because we were Cal State Fullerton, people pretended like we were famous. So all the kids come running down, and so you sign, I'm signing autographs, and we had baseball cards, so they, like, have my baseball card, or they have a ball, so I'm, like, signing stuff. I'm like, I'm awesome. And uh, (laughs) every once in a while, there would be super fan, right? So super fan, he's not an individual. He's a type of person okay. who grows up and never grows up. So he's forty years old at a baseball game with his baseball glove on, and he wants you to he wants me, the twenty year old, to sign his baseball yep. glove. So that day, super fan comes down, wants my autograph. So I I sign it, and uh, he's like, "Hey man, I knew your dad. He's a good guy." And I was like, "Really? You're from Michigan?" And because uh, my dad's from Michigan. He's like, no, I'm from Riverside. I was like, I don't think you know my dad. He's like, no, I do. Good guy. I was like, all right, super fan. And I went back to the dugout. But something caught my attention in how much he thought he was right in what he was saying. And 
um, Jackie, oh, I, I missed this part. So Jackie and, um, so David's mom, Jackie, and his dad, Nacho Munoz, um, they have this beautiful big house in Yorgolinda, and they're like, hey, we got an extra room. If you want to come see what it's like to live in a Christian home, you're more than welcome. So I right. took that opportunity. The greatest thing to ever happen to me probably was to see Christianity really lived out. So these people are on mission. So I move in with them, and I, I mean, they're my second mom and dad, amazing people. They're at the baseball game. My parents were not at the baseball game because my grandfather in Michigan was dying of pancreatic cancer. So they were with him, and uh, I wave Jackie down. She's at the game, and I say, hey, can you go sit next to the super fan and just strike up a conversation with him? And see, he told me this thing, and I don't know what it is, but I've, it's weird to me. So anyway, she goes over there, and she talks to him. And uh, after the game, she comes down. She's like, you might want to talk to him. He's like, she's like, he knew some stuff. He's like, I don't know where it's going to go, but you might want to talk to him. So anyway, after the game, I watch him because the, the, the field's elevated, like on the home plate side, and you have to walk down into the parking lot. So I, can, I kept my eye on him, and I could see him walking down. And you can open up the left field fence and go into the parking lot. So I watched him, opened up the left field fence, and met him in my uniform standing in the parking lot by his car, and he is uncomfortable. I was like, hey, I just, I need to know what you were talking about. He's like, you know what, I shouldn't have said anything. I don't know what I was doing. And he's, he kind of had like this vibe, like he just never grew up. So we're talking, and I'm like, dude, you got to give me your, I'm going to take down your information. Um, You're saying things, and long story short, he finally breaks down. He's like, I shouldn't have said anything. I knew your dad. He was a good guy, and he died. Wow. So I'm sitting in this parking That's lot. That's goosebumps right there. I'm right? sitting like, in this parking lot at like 11 o'clock. It was like a late game. It's like 11 o'clock, and I got this super fan. That I don't know if he's on drugs. I have no idea what he's talking about, but for some reason, something's telling me what this guy is saying. There might be some truth to it. So... um. I'm not going to call my parents who are at my grandfather's deathbed to say, hey, I, you know. So what I do do is I call my grandmother, my mother's mom, who lives in San Jacinto, and uh, and she's not expecting a call at 11 o'clock from her grandson, but she picks up. And uh, so she picks up. She's like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, hey, I just got a question for you. And she's like, okay, go ahead. I was like, I just want to know. Is my dad my real dad? And there was this long, awkward pause, followed by some crying. So I was pretty sure that Superfan might be onto something at this point. So, so that night at 11.30 or so, I'm talking to my grandmother in the parking lot of Cal State Fullerton Baseball, and my grandmother is explaining to me how my biological father was... My mom was married to him. He got really sick and he died. And my mom decided that the best thing for us was to just move on because she didn't want to have to explain it to a kid. Mm. So um, you could imagine what the average like guy off the street, if he finds this out at 20-something years old. So the guy that I you know worship, my dad, the leader, strong coach, um, black, white, honest, guy in that moment i got to experience the peace of god that surpasses all understanding right so 
Scripture promises that I got to experience it, and it probably strengthened my faith more than anything was that moment because I could see it. I can kind of reflect back to who I was before and that what that would have done. Yeah, I probably would, I probably would not have reacted really well. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't as a Christian and having the Spirit of God in me. I not even for a second was I upset, amazed at God. So now I'm like, hold on a second. So I was. From Hemet. I went <laughs> Hemet to Cal Baptist, from Cal Baptist to Missouri, from Missouri to Loyola, from Loyola to Cal State Fullerton. I shouldn't have been on the platform that I was at. It made no sense. I didn't have the the career, the million dollar career. Like it wasn't happening at this point. I, my arm was starting to fail. So what was it? Why? It was for this one. Like, God was preparing me to, uh, to hear this truth, and he didn't want it to shatter me. He wanted it to strengthen me. So now I'm living with this family who's, like, fully engaged on mission in life. So I have this, like, crazy support system who they're not even, like, they're like, we need to pray about this. Like, they're not freaking out, which is great. I don't like people freaking out. That freaks me out. And we just kind of talk our way through this thing, and I... Didn't even tell them. My parents didn't find out for like six months. Like, I couldn't come up with a good way to explain it to them. Because I got all this guy's information, I was able to follow up with him. And through that, I was able to get in contact with my biological dad's parents. And they call me on the phone, my grandmother. And she I, I don't even think she could put together like two sentences. just starts crying uncontrollably. So, and, so we set up a time to meet. And they had lived on an orange grove, like, over by Lake Matthews okay. for years and years and years and years and years. And the reason why they lived there for years and years and years and years was because they were worried that if they moved, I wouldn't be able to find them. Wow. Man. And finally, it got to the point where they were getting up there in years, and they couldn't manage Like, it was a full-blown orange grove. Right. Like, they couldn't manage it anymore. So they were finally, they like had to let it go and it was like their biggest fear was like they were just letting go the thing that of you of, that was going to get me back to them because they knew who I was they knew where I was they were simply um, listening to my mother's request I go and I meet them and uh, you know how do you ex- describe that so my grandmother and my grandfather and my grandmother just her goal is to make sure I know that they never forgot about me. So she takes me into this room and in the room is like every yearbook with me in it ever, every newspaper article clipping ever because I was played sports. I was in the the news often. So she cut it all out. Pictures of me playing in Missouri. They flew to Missouri and sat in the stands and watched me play. Holy incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. My biological dad was one of eight. They're a good Irish Catholic family. By the way, Zahari, I love that name. I'm proud of that name. It represents a lot to me. But it might make a little bit more sense that I was born with the name McCarthy. Okay. Yeah, so I'm looking a little more Irish than <laughs> uh, Romanian, Egyptian. But I'm very proud of both of those names. So that was phase one, meet with grandparents you didn't know existed. Phase two, meet with the rest of the family. So they move into this place in Corona, and they put together, like, this reunion for me. So at this time, uh, 
me and Sean are together, my wife. So she goes with me. And so she's my strength in this because I'm not a social person. So this is all really, really weird to me, but I want to see what God's up to. So I roll into this place and they literally had name tags on their thing, on their shirts. So all my cousins and my aunts and my uncles who I've never met this first time I'm meeting them, like, I, I think there was like 5,000 people there. Like, felt like overwhelming, right? <laughs> it was like probably like 35, 40 people, you know. So um, meeting all of these, and just I, this really stands out to me is that, you, you know, when I said we would, kids would come down and get autographs signed. Well, my whole family was going to all of my games for my entire career. I mean, they, from high school, these people from high school all the way through college, they were in the stands. I just didn't know it. Wow. So, my cousins had baseballs with my autograph. So I literally had talked to my cousins. I had signed autographs for them and I had handed them, them the ball. So just an amazing That's the, what God was doing and how I never found out about all of those years with people right there. And the guy who told I don't even know his name. Hmm. I don't even know. Super fan. He was, yeah, super fan. Super fan was a friend of a friend of the family who heard about the story because it was, you know, unfortunately, my, my father died of, he was bipolar and he took his own life. Okay. So it was a horrific thing. And the, uh, the McCarthy's were a pillar in the community. My grandfather was like the principal of the high school. Yeah, they were a known group of people. So this wasn't a story that just disappears. Right. This was a good, hard, solid family who had a tragedy take place. Wow. So, so the story obviously got out there. How it never got to me, that's God. I had this conversation with uh, the Munozes who took me in, and they were like, you know what? Sometimes God makes a donkey talk. And that's exactly what he did. He took some guy who everyone stuck with their vow. The McCarthy family never said a word to me because they respected what my mom had to say. They just followed from a distance, mm. you know? And there came a day when this random dude, who no one gets to be mad at because we don't even know who he is, opens his mouth. and Alters everything. Just completely changes everything. So long story short, you know, God walked with me for a very, very long time. He allowed me to say stupid things about him. Um, And he used a person living on mission, just a kid playing shortstop for a baseball team, who, by the way, says that he felt God was calling him to Cal State Fullerton simply to share the gospel with somebody. That's someone. I mean, he got, <laughs> he stepped out of his beautiful comfort zone, came to Cal State Fullerton wow. with a bunch of clowns j- just to get laughed and mocked at and to share the gospel with some random dude who was the only... So when you, if you ever put together a Bible study and one dude shows up, you'd be cool with that because I was the one dude who showed up. He shared, he Not like he even had a plan. When I asked him, like, he doesn't even remember what he shared with me, but he shared exactly what I needed to hear. And from that, God radically blows my mind, changes who I am, and puts me in a position to be able to accept a truth that would totally rock the average person. A couple years after that, we they do family reunions, and we're like hundreds and hundreds of people get into a room, and all McCarthy'd out. Okay. And it, it's in Montana. So we drive up to Montana. It's my first reunion. And yeah, I'm the guy that everyone's like, oh, that's the guy over there. <laughs> so, so I'm walking around. I'm, I don't even think I'm exaggerating with 200. It might have been more. Um, everywhere I go, eyes on me. So we have this dinner. And my grandfather is like the patriarch of the McCarthy clan in, you know, in this area. 
and just an amazing dude. My grandmother, they're all amazing people. And so we get up on the stage and they, my grandfather starts it off and each clan comes up. So it's like our clan. So I'm up there with our clan. And the microphone goes and he says something and goes down. And my aunt's sitting next to me and she decides she's going to try to talk about how thankful she is that about me, more or less. And just starts bawling. And uh, so I take the microphone from her. I just remember being able to say, um, hi, my name's Charlie. You guys probably know me. I don't know you. <laughs> and just to be able to sit there and say, you know what? This is an, an example to see that in the midst of really, really bad, tragic things, good things can come of them. And not only that, I know you people have been praying for me your entire life and God answers prayers. Agnostic, maybe atheist, I don't know, kid. Um, drug them into a position where some Protestant kid tells them the gospel and then throws them into a Catholic family. <laughs> God right? has a great sense of humor. <laughs> Seriously. So what I believe at the bottom of my heart was it is, is a, it's great to be on mission. Mm. When you're on mission, you see things that you couldn't see otherwise. God is working. We just don't see it a lot of times because we're not on his path. Yeah. It's the power of the gospel. Right. The gospel... It doesn't need to make sense. We don't need to be able to, you know, be theologians. We just need to understand the gospel, that God loves us, and that he actually came to this earth. He walked around. He took the full brunt of what we deserved, placed it on his shoulders, because he's the only one that could carry it, took it to a cross, and now we don't have to worry about anything, because God has decided to forgive us. It's grace. We don't deserve it. Yeah. He just loves us. It's yeah. awesome. I know for a fact I don't know how he works. Like, I don't know his plans are greater than my plans. So I just kind of sit back, I relax, and I watch, and I look forward, and I like to just have these types of conversations with people. So back to Mission Matters. Um, I love to hear what God's doing in the lives of people yeah. because I know he does amazing things in the lives of people. And uh, I think the more conversations we can have like this, who knows, maybe... It, it impacts somebody and who knows what God's going to do with that person. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We pray you've been engaged, encouraged, and equipped to more fully live out God's mission plan for your life. Don't forget to follow and share us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash missionmatters.org and sign up for our newsletter at missionmatters.org. Until next time, may you live passionately on mission for the glory of God. <laughs>